Good evening. We are still in the process of finishing off the halakhas of Shabbos with regard to being in the kitchen. We have this year to go and two weeks time, Be'ez Hashem, to finish off the series. I don't like to leave it to love the piss up, but then we've all forgotten everything. Um, two weeks time, Be'ez Hashem, will be the, the final share of the series. Four weeks time is already Erevish Chedesh Nisan, I'm afraid to break it to you. And therefore we'll be giving the pre-Pesach share today four weeks next Hashem. So we've just got this share and the share in two weeks time versus Hashem. We are we finished off discussing in the previous year the halachas of Teichem. We'll just run through briefly again the halachas that we learned and then we would like to start learning the halachas of Lisha. Lash means to need, to need uh, and needing comes up in numerous in numerous uh, different places in the kitchen. Uh, you'd be surprised how often the problems of needing arise when preparing food for Shabbos. Uh, on Shabbos in the kitchen um, and the problems therefore that we have to be careful about and how to actually approach it and um, we will discuss this week and finish up in, in the next week. We have one more area which we haven't discussed and we will try and do it uh, at the end of the next year and that's a lot of ma'abed, tanning, because tanning, even though tanning normally we associate tanning with leather and skin but there is an element of tanning with food as well and we have to know how to prepare certain salads uh, without transgressing the problem of Ma'abid, be only Midrabonon. So if we have time, we'll finish that off at the end of the, the coming year. But today I'd like to focus on Lisha. Lisha is one of the most more complicated halachas. It's slightly complicated. Um, it, it's complicated because there's a, a lot of there's a lot of disagreement amongst the Rishonim, Achrayim, all the way down to present-day halacha, and I'm going to try and break it down to you to really practical halacha as much as possible. But before we do that, let's just run through what we learned in the previous year. We discussed the halacha of Teichem, which means to grind, there's no, no problem of there's no it's a, to grind something which has already been ground and therefore to take as the Shulchanor says bread and cram it in front of your chickens if you have a farm at home is not a problem at all because all you're doing is taking something which has already been ground and you're regrinding it that's permitted so in a practical sense if you're serving ice cream you want to crumb some biscuit crumbs on top of the ice cream it's, uh, it looks nice presentation is the the name of the game nowadays, and you can't just serve a plain piece of vanilla ice cream, it's got to be with, the, with all the toppings and this. So you take some biscuits, you crumb the biscuits on top of the ice cream, no problem at all, because you're taking biscuits which have already originate, orig- originated from flour, which has already been ground, you're regrinding it again, there's no problem of teichen, achat teichen. Um, I've just given you an example of biscuits, it can be anything, you can uh, break sugar, which we discussed last week, the sugar hardens, the salt hardens, you can crush it back to its... Uh, the normal state of sugar and salt into its uh, grains because again sugar and salt has already been ground and there's no teichen acha teichen and, and there's numerous examples of that one example which is important is when one does take medication of Shabbos when one is permitted to take medication of Shabbos and we've discussed that length in, in previous year when one is permitted to take medication of Shabbos sometimes some people find it difficult to swallow tablets um, particularly younger children find it difficult to swallow tablets so what you are would be allowed to do in Shabbos would be to crush the tablet but there's no problem of teichen there even though you seem to be crushing you seem to be grinding because the tablet is really nothing more than a powdery based medication which has been uh, held together with some sort of uh, binding factor some, some sort of binding agent into a tablet form so therefore to crush a, a tablet would be no problem because ain't teichen acha teichen whereas however we said and it's, we, we can't stress enough the complication of the Malach of Teichen is <coughs> that we don't actually know what the word small means because to grind means to grind something large into smaller particles but the definition of small particles is unclear in Halacha it's com- really unclear and therefore when you have cut before Shabbos your salad into small pieces 
of vegetables. <laughs> and then it comes up morning and you realize <coughs> there's something wrong here. It looks too big. I want to cut it smaller. You can't turn around and say, oh, well, I've already ground. I've done my teichen, so ain teichen, acha teichen, I can now grind it even more. No, because since we don't know what the definition of small is, it could very well be that the size of vegetable that you have in your salad is considered large. And when you then go and cut it into smaller pieces, you are now, just now, beginning the problem of the malacha of teichen. And therefore, you cannot grind vegetables from small into smaller pieces because that could also constitute the malacha of teichen. We then discussed a, another way, way around the, the Malacha of Teichen, something which is very um, specific to Teichen, and we will come across it a little bit in Lisha as well, in a slightly different form. But th- there is a little caveat here, a little way around the problem of Teichen on Shabbos, and that is the Chazal allowed certain shinuim, certain changes in the process of grinding, the Chazal allowed one to actually grind on Shabbos. And the example Chazal give is to, to crush peppers using the back of a knife. You can't crush peppers using a pestle and mortar that you can't do because that's the normal method of crushing. But you can crush using a shinui. What's the shinui? Using the back of the knife. So, in real terms, we can't use any shinui that we can, wouldn't use for any other mlocha because we can only, uh, we're only allowed to change the way Chazal told us we can change. And therefore, example, a practical example which would be relevant for us as we explained in, in a previous year, if you want to feed a child banana, that you normally mash the banana before you feed it to them. You can't mash the Shabbos because we said the Chazmish was very machmi about mashing. But if you use the back of the spoon to mash, then that's no problem at all. Though we did say that even in situations where you are allowed to grind, I missed this a moment ago, just to remind ourselves, even in a case where is permitted, where you're allowed to grind after grinding, but you can't use a Kalian instrument that's specifically made for grinding. So we said you can't use a grater, or you can't use a um, garlic press, or any grinder, etc., even to do something which is permitted. But since this is an item, an article, which is used primarily for the Malacha of Teichon, it's Muxa and Shabbos, and Chazal did not allow us to use that for even a permitted type of Teichon. So yes, you can grind biscuits, but you have to do it with your hand, or do it with a, 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 a spoon or a knife or a fork, which is not normal to use. You can, uh, you, you can grind something which you're not really allowed to grind if you do it with a, a specific shinu. What's a shinu? Using the back of a, uh, a knife or back of a spoon. We discussed one more slight colour, which we said is only allowed to be used in, in very needy situations, and that is the opinion of the Rashbo. But just like we find in, Mal- in the Malach of Boyer, where you're separating one food, the food from, from the, non, the edible food from the non-edible food. They permitted to do that if you do it just prior to eating. So you can prepare a salad and peel the vegetables. You can separate the good from the bad if it's miyab, just prior to eating. The Rashba holds that same color applies to the Malach of Teichen as well. <coughs> <coughs> the Malach of Teichen, therefore, according to the Rashba, you can actually grind properly. You can grind, not using a grinding instrument that you can grind without using the back of a, of a fork, the back of a, of a knife. You can grind as long as it's just 
prior to eating. Now it's a bit cooler, and we don't rely on it So in certain situations, in the case of the Bechik, in the case of the Evet, and there's no other way around it, then you could rely on this situation. But you'd have to have all the criteria of Miyad, which applies to Malacha, the Malacha of Malacha Bayer. So it'd have to be immediately before meal. You can't do it before you go to shul. Uh, you couldn't um, mash your, your uh, vegetables just cut them small just before you were going to shul because you want to go to shul so big Shabbos, big Oprah, big Chachma, big Ramitzvah you're out of the and you wanted to be there so you want to prepare your meal before you left that wouldn't be Niyad, Niyad would mean just prior now if you're a caterer as we said in Nachas Boyer and you're catering a meal for 200 people then the Niyad could be 2-3 hours before the meal because that's how long it's going to take you to prepare the meal but it's got to be in the time frame that one needs to prepare this meal and that those, those uh, criteria, those, uh, that framework would be exactly the same here according to the Rashba with regards to Tekken. But again, it's only to be used in a, a very uh, ever situation. Chopping and grinding. Chopping and grinding, yeah. <coughs> okay, that's briefly what we discussed in the previous year. Let's move on now to the Malacha of Losh. As we mentioned, the Malacha of Losh is one of the more complicated Malachas. So we're, we're going to discuss this week just the background to the Menachah of Losh and all the different interpretations of Losh. We're not going to talk about practical applications. We'll leave that for the next Shem Yat Hashem. So we're going to discuss the different methods of Losh, what Losh is, different types of mixtures, etc. So let's start from the beginning. If you can imagine yourself making a dough, if you imagine yourself making a bread dough, and we'll talk initially about the bread dough, and we'll, we'll broaden it as we move on. What you're doing is you're taking a powder, floury, which is very small particles of a solid, which is a flour. We'll talk about flour, but it could be any type of small particle. It doesn't have to be flour itself, we'll see in a moment. You're taking small particles and you're binding them using initially a, a liquid, but we'll see later it doesn't have to be a liquid, using a liquid into, to form a new mass, to form a new type of uh, uh, solid, something what we call a dough. So you're taking small separate particles you're mixing it together with another liquid, an external liquid, and you are then forming a single solid, a new type of item, a new food called dough. That's the Malacha of Misha. Losh is to bind together, to bind together particles using a medium of some sort of liquid, using a binding agent. The type of food that Losh affects Though it's a machleik, so I'm going to tell you how we passed in the halakha I don't want to, I haven't got time really to go through the whole background and build it up because we'll be here for the next two, three weeks, so we're going to miss out some of the background. The type of food, the halakha that will be affected by losh is not specific to flour. You could, for instance, take um, cereals, cereals, baby cereals, any cereal, oats, eggs, liver, tuna fish, any small particle, but it has to be small, any small particle that you bind together to a single mass is the Malacha of Lisha. Losh, that is Losh. So you can begin to see how Losh is going to affect the preparation of fruit and Shabbos in, in many, many ways. Any type of binding of any fruit is considered Losh. There are opinions, there are opinions who hold that Lisha only applies to Gidule Karka, things which are grown from the ground. That would exclude, as we saw with the Malacha of Teichon, that would exclude eggs, they would exclude fish, etc. But we, the halacha, we take on that lisha applies to all types of food. All types of food. It's not specific to food. You can find lisha with non-food items as well. So if to take earth and mix, mix earth with water and, cr- and turn it into a clay, again, you are taking a solid, using a binding agent of 
liquid. It doesn't have to be liquid as we'll see in a moment. But you're binding it with a, a liquid agent and turning it into a new mass called mud, clay, however you want to describe it. You have then been transgressed the malacha of Lisha. Lisha has to, if you, again, if you're thinking about making a dough, has to start off with small particles. It must be small particles. If you take large particles of food, for argument's sake, you take, um, let's talk about potatoes. You take large chunks of potatoes, and you bind them together with some sort of oil, make a potato salad, mayonnaise, we'll see them in a moment. You, you have created a new, something bound together. You've created food, large particles, which are now bound together with a binding agent, but that is not Lisha, because every particle of food can still be separately, is still separately visible. You can clearly define that's the item of food, that's not. It's not a new mass like a dough. It's got to be, therefore, small particles of food which are bound together using a binding agent. That, that turns itself into a single mass of food where the small particles of food are not clearly discerned to, to the naked eye. Then we take, we take that to be a new type of food. We take that to be a dough and therefore that's considered Nisha. So as we said, it could be eggs. If you cut eggs, chop eggs in large to large pieces, no problem at all. There's no Nisha there. If you chop eggs into small pieces, you're going to have a problem of Nisha. Where the problem of Nisha will be, and we'll discuss it in the next year at length, we have to show the problem of eggs, is the yolk of an egg is almost impossible to be large pieces. The yolk of an, the yolk of an egg just breaks down the moment you and therefore you are inevitably going to come across the problem of Lisha in any type of mixing you, you're actually going to do that. We'll discuss the halakhas of eggs and how to prepare eggs and is there a necessity to find a way around preparing eggs? We'll discuss that with some in the coming year. I don't want to focus on that today. But Lisha can only be found if the actual food particle is small. It doesn't have to be as small as flour. It doesn't have to be that small because you can get coarse flour, you can get mutton meal, which is also uh, coarser than plain flour. It's also a problem of Lisha, but it's got to be small particles. It's got to be small particles. The binding agents we've spoken at the moment about, mainly about liquids. The binding agent of liquids, again, this is a machlekes, but I'm going to tell you exactly how we pass it. The, the, the liquid that can be considered a liquid to bind and therefore be, be transgressed of the malacha of Lisha, it doesn't have to be water alone. It can be any type of liquid. It can be water, it can be oil, it can be fruit juice. So if you think, you think about making, let's say, a mazonus uh, bread, you will then take the flour and mix it together with fruit juice. So it shouldn't be hamosi, it should be mazonus. That would be a problem of Lisha. It's irrelevant, the fact that I'm not using water and I am using fruit juice. Fruit juice is also a, a, an agent that would bind and therefore is considered Lisha. And not only that, you can use milk, you can use any type of liquid that would bind it into a solid dough. And not only does that, can it be a liquid, you can even use and this is clear from the poskim, it can even be a slightly more solidified binding agent. So mayonnaise, or honey, or in the old days, if you imagine, even nowadays, you think about making a biscuit dough, and what you will do is you'll have the flour, and you'll mix it, you'll bind it together with a piece of margarine. Not, margarine is not really supposed to be eaten, I'm not a doctor, not very healthy, but that's what we used to make biscuits out of, we probably still do. When nobody's looking, you take a, a block of margarine, you put it on the, on the flour, and you bind the, the dough, you bind the flour with this solidified margarine, which is just solidified oil, etc. So, in the olden days they would use schmaltz, they would take goose, uh, goose fat, and they would put it together in their, in their biscuits, and they would bind it together, and they would make a dough. You combine, it does not have to be specifically liquid, it can be any type of binding agent. 
Mayonnaise is a, a, a very good binding agent. It's solidified oil, and it can bind and does bind, and that's, that's one, of the, one of the areas that we will come across Lisha in the kitchen on Shabbos, and, and can be problematic, which we will have to discuss how to get around it when we finish understanding the background to the Melokho of Lisha. The problem of Lisha is not just to actually beginning the making of dough. So, yes, in our minds, Lisha is to take flour, mix it with water, and turn it into a dough. What would happen if you have a dough already prepared? And you came Shabbos and it was a bit too sticky, so you added some more water to it. Or you added some more flour to it, and you kneaded it in and improved the dough. That would also constitute a Melach of Lisha. That would also be a Melach of Lisha. Not only that, and if you think that's the Chiddush to you, this is going to be even a bigger Chiddush to you. The Yerushalmi tells us that if you take a dough and you braid it, that, that the braiding itself is a Melach of Lisha. And not only braiding, if you just glaze your dough, you take some egg and you smear the egg on top of the, of the dough, that's also called Lisha, because any action which is part of the preparation of the dough is considered a malacha of Lisha. So Lisha really does seem to be quite a broad malacha within the framework of trying to bind flour or small particles into a solidified mass and whatever other additions that are needed to complete that process. So turning it into a dough, preparing the dough, shaping the dough, Glazing the dough, which is all part of the process of preparing the dough for the next stage, which is the bishul, is considered lisha. <coughs> now, we need to, uh, again, I'm not much of a baker, not much of a cook, but we need to understand, that when you'll probably be able to help me out with this a bit better, that there's really, when we talk about making doughs and batters, there's really three types of mixtures that we will find that we do come across within the kitchen. The first one, which is the more basic type of mixture, which the Chazal and the Paskin talk d- describe it as a belila ava, a thick batter, a thick dough. A belila ava is where you take small particles, you mix it together, and you turn it into a very solidified mass. A belila ava, a thick batter, a thick dough. Uh, a thick dough would be a cake batter, or, or uh, not sorry, not cake batter, a bread, a bread dough, or a biscuit dough, um, something of that sort, a mud taking mud into clay, that's a, a, a solid, making pudding, instant pudding. You make an instant pudding by mixing the milk or the water in your pudding powder. You have turned the powder into a solid mass. Right? What we, the, the definition of a solid mass is something that cannot run at all, doesn't run at all. It's solid. You turn the, the, the plate, it just stays there. Of course, if you turn it upside down and bang, it'll fall out. There's, there's, there's no running this, so it can't run at all. It's a solid mass. So, the example that we've given is a bread, a bread dough. A bread dough is a belila other. It's solid. It's thick. It's got no running this to it at all. The second type of batter, which is still a, a mixture, and it's turned it into some type of dough, but the dough is what Kazal call them, what the Pashim call a belila raka, a soft mixture. A soft mixture would be a cake batter. Cake batter is flour mixed together with the eggs and the oil and whatever else you might put into your, into your, into your healthy cake. But if you take the consistency of that batter, it's slightly more runny. If you turn the, the bowl upside down, it would begin to run out. It's not liquid. You can't define it as liquid at any stretch of imagination. It's not a liquid, but it does have an element where it can, it can flow a little bit. It can run just slightly. It will ru- slightly run out of the bowl, out onto the kitchen side. It's got an element of nazila to it, it can flow. That's called a belila raka. There's a third type of mixture, 
An example of that would be making a baby's formula, a bottle. You take uh, a powdery substance, which is baby's milk, powdered milk, and you add it together with water, and you turn that into a very liquidy mixture. It's a mixture. You've mixed the flour together with the water. You've mixed the powder together with the water, but you turn it into a very liquidy way. You can't, nobody can call it a batter of any sort. If you look at this, you say it is a liquid. Now, these, all three have slightly different halakhas. A belila ava is pure lisha minatayah. That's proper lisha. Making a bread dough, making a, 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 a biscuit dough, a dough which is a thick dough, is lisha minatayah. Proper lisha. You make that in Shabbos, you can transcribe the lisha minatayah and chasashon of chasashon A belila raka is also asa. It's asa midrabolam. It's also considered mixing. It's considered making a batter, making a dough. But it's only asa midrabolam. It's not minatayah. It's that slight. Slightly, lenient, slightly more lenient halachas which we'll see towards the end of the shit. To make a runny mixture, that's completely mutter. That's not called nisha at all. That's not called nisha at all. And therefore, even with Rabbanon, it's mutter. However, one must be aware, just take a, making a baby's bottle as an example, you could technically take the milk powder, add a small amount of water to it, thicken it up, and then add the rest of the water. If you did that, you would be transgressing the Malach of Isha, because what you're doing is you're first making a thicker, slightly thicker mixture, which would be, we would call a Belilo Raka. It might be runny a bit, but it's still a mixture, still a thick mixture, and only afterwards you're going to thin it out by adding the rest of the water. That's no good. If you have to make a baby's bottle of Shabbos, then you must make it thin, totally liquidy from, from the start. So you'd have to put the powder, or you put the water in, and then put the powder in, or enough water in, so that when the powder enters into the into the bottle, it remains a liquid from the beginning to the end. Otherwise, you're going to enter into the problems of Lisha. So we have three levels of Lisha. We have a thick mixture, a dough-like mixture. We have a runny mixture, which is what we call a bilaraka. We're going to call that cake batter. And we have a, a, a completely liquidy mixture, which we're going to call the baby's bottle. So far, so good? Are we coping? Uh, I suppose it's easier for you than it is for me because you understand what, what we're talking about more than I do. But let's move on a little bit further now. Imagine yourself making your bread dough. Imagine yourself making your bread dough. Sorry? We're not. We're, we're giving you the background to the Malachim. We're going to find you in the kitchen things that will be the same problem as this. Nobody expects to make a bread dough in shops. But uh, you will find areas in the kitchen where you will be chatashonim Without being aware, you could end up doing uh, a malach of lisha without even realizing it. it. It won't be a bread batter, it might be something else, but you could end up technically being over the same thing. Lisha is Lisha is totally mutanyam. Uh, the malachas before lisha are not so permitted on yomtav, but from lisha onwards it's perfectly mutanyam. You can make bread on yomtav, no problem at all. You can make bread on yomtav. <coughs> Okay, now we need a little bit more of a scientific analysis into bread making. So let's just focus on our bread making basis. It's the same with regards to a blila abba, a blila raka, it's a raka, it's the same, it makes a difference. But we're going to talk about bread making because I think you'll picture it a bit, 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 bit clearer if we discuss it using plain water and plain flour. Now, when you begin to make bread, when you begin to make your dough, you'll put the flour in, in a bowl, and then you'll measure out your, your water with your, your yeast and then you put the yeast in together with the water. However each one makes their own bread, you'll take the jug of water and you'll begin to pour it over the, over the flour. 
Now, the, as soon as you pour the water over the flower, some element of change will begin to take place in that flower. Maybe not all the flower, but where the water hits, definitely there will be some element of change. You haven't yet made a dough, and it's nowhere near ready to be turned into chalas or to turn into bread, but some element of change has happened. You then take your hand, or if you're lazy, you put it into a magic mix or uh, some sort of a mixer, and you knead the dough. When you knead the dough, when you mix the dough, the dough together, you then have turned the process which has started into a finished dough. You turn it into a finished dough. Now here there's a huge machlekes in the Gemara. Here we'll give you a little background because it's extremely relevant. There's a huge machlekes in, in the Mishnah as to which part of that process is actually considered lisha. Do we say the beginning of when you pour the water in, that's the lisha, that's called the making of the dough, and the mixing with your hand is irrelevant? Or do we say that the pouring is irrelevant? That's just, that doesn't, hasn't really done enough to be considered lisha. It's not enough of a mixture to be considered lisha. And only if you actually need it is that then considered in the Lacha of Lash. That's the usual machlech, Shalom, between Rebbe and Rebbe Yeshiv Rebbe. Rebbe says that if you add water to the dough, you immediately chai chatos. You take water and you pour it onto the flour, you immediately chai, you done nothing. All you did was pour water onto the flour. You immediately have transgressed the malacha the raisa of Lisha. Comes along Rabbi Yeshiv Rebbe said that's not true. You're only chai when you start mixing. When you start mixing, then you're actually taking the two water and the flour, and you're really then binding them together to form a dough-like substance. That's the halacha of lisha. The pouring itself, that's not considered lisha. So where do we stand when it comes to halacha? Do we say the pouring is lisha? Do we say the mixing is lisha? Again, the next stage of the game is that you will find an enormous machlekes rishonim. How we paskin? Do we paskin the pouring is the key, or do we paskin the mixing is the key? How do we pass the halacha lemaisa? It's also complicated. And therefore, La Lachla Maisha will come down to the, to the final point. The final point the Mishnah tells us is that you have to worry about both. We consider La Lachla both are <coughs> a separate Malacha of Misha. Separate Malacha of Misha. The, the mixing of any liquid in any small substance could be considered the beginning of a process of Lisha, and it could be a problem of Lisha. The mixing is turning it into a solidified mass, into a dough-like substance, is therefore also considered a malacha of Lisha. So if you take uh, uh, any liquid and mix it into small solids, you'll be over the first stage of Lisha. If you then mix it again with your machine, or with your hand, whatever it may be, that will be considered a second stage of Lisha. We'll come back to hands a bit later. I've mentioned hands a few times. We'll come back to hands. It's actually a little bit of a way out with hands. We'll come back to that a bit later. They will both be considered a problem of Misha. However, if you're mixing, say, now let's move on to a biscuit. You're making some biscuits where you put the flour inside the bowl and you place the... We're going to talk about um, the margarine just for the sake of... It just makes life simpler. And you take the block of margarine and you put it on top of the dough, on top of the flour. Now nobody will tell you that you've actually started any process here at all. You've taken a piece of margarine, you put it on the flour, it's lying on the flour. And even the flour which is underneath the margarine hasn't begun to be bound together yet, it's just stuck to the bottom of the margarine. You've done nothing. You haven't begun the process of Nisha. So when we say there's two parts of the process of dough making, one is mixing the water together with the flour, and one is the actual kneading of the dough, that's only if you're using a liquid binder. If you're using a solidified binder, like mayonnaise, or like margarine, or like schmaltz, or anything like that, the process of placing the binder on the small particle is not considered the beginning of the process of addition.
And logically that makes sense, because there's a fundamental difference between pouring water onto the flour to adding a bit of margarine onto the flour. You have to work, you have to beat the margarine into the flour far more rigorously in order to get the biscuit batter than you will have to do when you're mixing with water. So the water automatically gets absorbed into the flour and it begins to change the consistency and the constitution of the flour immediately. Some change has taken place immediately as the water mixes into the flour, whereas with a solidified binder, that's not the case. That's not the case. Why am I telling you this? Because it's going to make a huge difference uh, a bit later when we finish off uh, this year. They make a difference, practical difference, in, in with regards to Shabbos. So I assume by now you're beginning to get a picture of the Malach of Lisha, and you can probably imagine where it's going to surface inside the kitchen, which, which areas of the kitchen, where it's going to actually surface, and where it's going to be a problem. And we will. Therefore, you might be thinking, how on earth am I going to get around this problem? Um, can I make my egg and mayonnaise for Shabbos? Can I make my uh, fish salad for Shabbos? Whatever it may be. We will discuss all that in the show next week. But there is one area of issue which we have to finish off. We have to discuss at length. And that is the... <laughs> just as in the Malach of Teichen... Am I clear enough? Can you hear me? Just as in the Malach of Teichen, there is this escape route of making a shinui. We have the same when it comes to Lisha, but slightly different. The you can knead with a shinui, with a shinui, but not in all circumstances, not in all cases. And this is where it begins to get a little bit more complicated. But this is extremely important because this is going to enable us to prepare any type of food we want to prepare, even if it does encroach on the malacha of Lisha, but we'll be able to do it because this is going to give us the method of how to do it. So Chazal tell us that if you knead but with a change, with a, with a shinui, that's permitted. Again, we have no right to invent our own shinui, we can only use the shinui that Chazal tell us. So, we mustn't forget that there's two parts to Lisha, right? This is where everything begins to come together. There's two parts to Lisha. There's the Lisha of placing the water in the flour, and there's the Lisha of mixing the water in the flour. Don't forget, there's two types of batters. We have the belila ava, we have the thick batter, and we have the belila raka, we have the slightly thinner batter, the cake batter. Let's now begin to go through the different circumstances, different cases, and when a shin is permitted, when not. Let's talk about the first part of the process of kneading, where I'm putting the flour in the bowl, and I'm going to mix the water into the flour. Say Chazal, you can't do that in Shabbos, because that's Lisha. If you need to do it in Shabbos, you haven't prepared before Shabbos, and you want to prepare this mixture on Shabbos, and we're talking about a mixture which you would want to prepare on Shabbos, how do I do it? With a shinui. What shinui can I actually activate here when I am mixing the two together? It's not something very ingenious. You have to change the order of how it's done. You change the order of how it's done. So, if the normal order is to place the flour in the bowl and pour the water on top, that's fine. Turn it around, put the water in the bowl, and put the flour on top. The normal order is to put the water in the bowl and then place the flour. It depends on what you're actually making. The normal order is to put the water in the bowl and then put the flour on top. Mix it around. To turn it around the other way. Well, what happens if I don't know what the normal order is? I don't know. I don't know what's... I'm pretty sure if I went around here and asked you how you make your, your tea, do you put your tea bag in first and then the water? Do you put your water in first on the tea bag? I'm sure I'll get 50 different answers. Not that there's 50 people there, but uh, I'll probably still get 50 different answers. We all have our own method. If there isn't a set method, I don't know what the method is. What do I do? So here, there's an interesting... An interesting idea which Prantin for Shangri-Gos, the friend of Rocket, came out with. And he said, sometimes you get on the packaging, you get ingredients and directions on how to prepare uh, some cake with this flour. 
if you read the instructions, the instruction says put the flour in first and then the water, or if it was say the other way around, put the water in first and then the flour, then change the instruction, change the, 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 the method, change the directive, the directives that are written on the packaging, that would be considered a change of the position. If we don't know, that you, you buy a packet of flour and it's got no instructions on it, no directions on how to make bread, what do you do? It becomes more complicated. Ideally, you shouldn't then mix at all. Ideally, you should just leave it. Don't mix. That's really the ideal because we don't know. You might, you might be transgressing a Malach Alisha. If you're in a desperate situation, you've got 50 guests coming and uh, you just have to have that salad because you're never going to be able to show your face in public again if you don't have that salad, uh, then Mr. Burr says, but yeah, but which one do you do? I have to check it up because I don't remember offhand myself. Then Mr. Bruce says you should put the flour in first and, and the water afterwards. The flour in first and water afterwards. Which is, as you can see, is very difficult because I imagine most people here, when they make uh, a bread dough, will put the flour in first and then the water. Am I right? You put the flour in the bowl. You do the other way around. You ruin the machine. Uh, so, uh, I'm not a fashion person. <laughs> we make it all by hand, so I can't finish. <coughs> <coughs> yes, I knew I shouldn't get involved in all this. <laughs> so the mission first stage you put the flour in first, then the water, and that would constituted that would be considered a a change. That would be considered a change. Okay. However, we have to be aware that this shinui will only apply to a belila raka, to a thin mixture. It will not enable you to begin to make a thick mixture. If you need to make a thick mixture, there is no method of making a thick mixture, at least the beginning of a thick mixture on Shabbos. None whatsoever. You either have to repair it before Shabbos, or you have to bind it with something solid. Because, as we said before, when you're binding with something solid, when you put a piece of margarine on top of the flour, you haven't started the process off at all. The process only starts when you actually do the kneading. <coughs> so, you don't need a change in the process of which one goes in first, because there's no process there. Nothing started. So then that would be okay. But to pour water into flour and begin to make the process of a belila ava, a thick mixture, there's no way around that shops. This shinu is not considered enough of a change to make a belila ava. Not considered enough. However, to make a cake batter, and you can, depending on an example, and we'll come to the example, would be to make cereal, baby cereal. You could make it into a thick batter, you could make it into a thin batter. To make it into a thin batter would be permitted if you change the process. Making the thick batter will be completely opposite, even if you change the process. Moving on to the second stage of Lisha. You now, we've made the batter, we've done that before, we poured the water in, we did it before Shabbos, or we're making a thin batter, so we did it on Shabbos, but we changed the water around, and I want to knead it into the action itself. How do I get around that? To knead it in a normal manner would be a problematic, would be extremely problematic. I'm now doing a process of Lisha, because as we said, both stages are independently considered from a of Isha. So just the need itself would be, even if I've changed the order of how I mixed it in, in initially, I have still transgressed the Malach of Isha with my needing. So I need to have another change in the actual needing process itself. Now here, there are many different ways of changing in the actual Isha. Most of them are not practical. Most of them are very not practical, so I'm not even going to tell them to you. There's two which are practical. One, you're going to Screw your nose up at me, and the other one is probably the most practical one. The simplest one is to mix with your hand. Mix with your hand? Well, it depends what you're doing. If you're making egg and mayonnaise, you're not going to want to mix it with your hand, are you? Why not? Okay, sorry. 
That goes wrong again. I don't mind. Mix it with your hands, you're fine. Mix it with your hands, that's called a shimmy. We don't normally mix food with our hands. We mix it with a, a, a spoon. We mix it with a, 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 a some sort of... You have a glove on I don't want to get down the river to cutting a glove, because I don't really see why gloves should make a difference, but there are possibly say glove makes a difference. Um, I don't really, because they say it's not your hand then, it's the glove that's mixing. It's just like a, a material, another material that's mixing. Uh, I'm not sure about that, that's why I didn't want to... Uh, I was hoping you wouldn't ask that question. <laughs> Mixing with your hand would constitute a change because normally you would, you, you'd be making a batter. Imagine you're making a batter by hand. You take a big wooden spoon and you would mix it. And you would mix it and mix it, mix it, uh, etc. You know, nowadays we do mix with our dough with our hands. We, but technically speaking, because I understood that mixing was always done with a instrument, and if it's not done with an instrument, it's considered a change. The second difference, and this is one which is more practical, especially when we're discussing Lisha next week, when we discuss in two weeks' time, when we discuss Lisha in the kitchen is the actual method of mixing. Now, if you think carefully about how you actually mix, take a, a spoon and mix your dough with a spoon, you usually use a circular motion. You take a spoon and you use a circular motion. You go around the bowl using a circular motion to mix the water together with the, with the flour to turn it into the dough. If you change that type of motion, not from a circular motion, but from to what we call a crisscross motion, a chassis area, you take uh, the spoon and you mix it like this, now, some people tell you it doesn't mix nicely, and that could be the very reason why it's not Some people tell you if you do it long enough and hard enough, it will work. And it does work. Crisscross action, that's a change in the process of kneading, and that's completely mutter. It's considered such a huge change that not only can you do that for a belila or raka, for a thin batter, you can actually use it even for a thick batter, even for a dough, a dough-like substance. And therefore, crisscross would be completely permitted. It, it's not the figure, it's not the, it, it, it's, normally it's a circular motion, you want it to be cross motion. It can be cross like this, it, can be, it doesn't have to be exactly, it doesn't have to be playing noughts and crosses. A, a figure of eight like, like this is also crisscross action. It can't be, can't be a, a, a circular, a circular action is wrong. That's considered a serious change, that's considered a serious change, and therefore would be permitted, would be permitted even on a thick a thick like dough, even on thick like dough. So, if you wanted to make your biscuit batter on Shabbos, right, why you want to make it is irrelevant, you want to make your biscuit batter on Shabbos, you like eating raw biscuit batter, so you took your, men, your margarine, you dropped it on top of your flour, you mixed it using a crisscross action, it will be absolutely fine. You have no problem there. The initial dropping of the margarine is not the beginning of the process of Lisha because it's a solidified binder. And when you mix it with a crisscross action, it would take you a long time, and you would have sore arms by the end of it, but you would have eventually mixed the margarine into the flour, and you created a biscuit batter. Absolutely no problem at all. Absolutely no problem at all. That would apply to mayonnaise as well. And we'll discuss mayonnaise in the coming sheet at length, the Allah on mayonnaise. I hope that's given us a background to Alicia. I don't want to go any further into Alicia, because I think that's the background which is complicated enough. We'll just run briefly through what we've learned again. We've learned that Alicia means to bind small particles together using a binding agent of a liquid or even a solid, even a more solidified binding agent. There's two different types of batters, the Belila Abba and the Belila Raka. Both are considered uh, Lisha, one Minatoya, one Midrabonon. There's different parts to the Lisha process. The beginning by just, just combining the two ingredients in some cases is considered already the beginning of the process of Lisha. The actual kneading is also considered part of the process of Lisha. Each one independently is a Malaka of Lisha. The only way around it would be if you made a shinui. A shinui in the combination of the 
two ingredients would be only when you change the normal order of, mixing, of the mixing and the shinu in the kneading process would be if you actually change the process of kneading either using hand or using a different, different action with a utensil, a crisscross action rather than a circular action. Those are the background to the halakha of Lisha. We have that in front of our eyes. Let's show next week, in two weeks' time, when we come back, we go through the practical examples of Lisha. You see that preparing food on Shabbos, even food which could cross into the boundaries of Lisha, does not matter. We will find a way around nearly all, 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 different, all the different cases of Bezos Hashem. Just to finish off with a short debate here. I want to share with you a very, a very interesting, I found it very interesting, so I thought be, you'd uh, appreciate it as well. Uh, a small uh, vart I saw in Tzadik HaKoyim, in Preet Tzadik. He, he starts off basically on the Chazal, the Gemara Megillah. Gemara tells us, God never yedua l'fnei mish amav hayo elam. Kishmarko knew. He says, Gemara, Kishmarko knew. Sh'asid hamon lishkos shkalim al Yisrael. The hamon was going to weigh shkalim, koyim against Kal Yisrael. He's going to give coins to Achashverosh. He's going to sell the nation of Kalisrol to Achashverosh. The Fichach Hikdim Shiklehem Nishkolah. Therefore, he insisted, Achashverosh insisted, that Kalisrol should donate their Shkolim to the base of Mikdash before Haman gave his Shkolim to before Haman gave his Shkolim to Achashverosh. And therefore, in the process of the Dalit Parshias, the last Shabbos, we lay in the Parshia of Parshish Shkolim so that we donate to the base of Mikdash the Shkolim ourselves last Shabbos. And only next week, this passage is often important when Haman gave his shkolim to Achashverosh. Which is a beautiful chazal that needs some explanation. What our shkolim got to do with the shkolim of Haman? What's the connection between the two? The fact that they're both coins is very nice, but they seem to be two independent stories that are totally disconnected. How does the fact that we donate our coins to the Beisham Mikdash, how does that somehow or other <laughs> annul the gezera of the shkolim of Haman? He makes a very beautiful suggestion here. Uh, I'll, I'll build it up to you the way he, he, he says it. He says, if you look through the history of, look through the Torah, and you see how Esau, Amalek, Bilam, how they tried to approach Kalisol, what was their, their point of attack in Kalisol? He says, you see, a very interesting theory. He says, you'll, you'll find, the Medrash tells us when it comes to Esau, um, Yitzhak would take Esau when he came back home from hunting in the field, and say to Esau, Esau, where were you? What were you doing? And he would say, Father, what do you mean, what was I doing? I was sitting in the base of Medrash, and I was learning, and he would start talking to him and learning with us, and this question and that question, he definitely wasn't anywhere near the base of Medrash. He liked to portray himself as an equal to Yaakov. He liked to portray himself as an equal to Yaakov. That was his, his, <coughs> excuse me, that was his method of trying to bring down Yaakov. Who do you think Yaakov is so special? I'm just as good. I also learned Tariq. I also keep the mitzvahs. The, the Medrash Tamchumah tells us, La'asid Lavoi, what's Esau going to do? He's going to put on a talis, he's going to look like a, a Rosh Hashiva with a long beard and a talis, and he's going to come and sit down next to Yaakov, and he's going to try and give the impression there's no difference between me and Yaakov. We're both the same. We're both the same. If you look at Bilom, when Bilom came to curse Talisrol, before he cursed Talisrol, what did he do? He built seven Mizbachos. Pastor tells us he built seven Mizbachos, brought up seven Kabonis. Rashi says, quotes from the Medrash, why did he build so many Mizbeach? Why did he build, why did he bring so many Kabonis? said he wants to bring the same amount of Kabonis that all the Obis brought all together. He wants to say that Rishmachli, you think the Obis are so great, they bring you Kabonis, I'm going to bring you even more Kabonis, many, many more Kabonis, much more. I brought the same as all of them. So again, the way they try to bring down Kali Sorum is by showing, or pretending to show, that there's no difference between them and us. We are exactly the same. There's nothing special about Kali Sorum. We are 
we do the same. In fact, we do it even better. They only brought one or two or three kabbalists. I'm bringing seven kabbalists. The prophet tells us that Haman donated to Achashverosh. He donated the the Aseris Alafim Kikar Kesef. Interesting, Chazal tells us that Aseris Alafim Kikar Kesef corresponded to all the numbers of Kalisol. Break it down. You break it down. Chazal break it down to six hundred thousand of Kalisol. There was a coin there for each member of Kalisol. The prophet says it was given it leginzei hamelach. He doesn't say it was given to Achashverosh. He gave it leginzei hamelach. Was given to the Storehouse of the king. What the store? What, what, what you going to do? The storehouse of the king. More than that, Chazal tell us that every time he says the word Melech, it's referring to Hakadosh Baruch Now, what's going on here? Haman is giving Saris Alachim Kikar Kesef to Ginzi Melech, which would mean to the storehouses of Hakadosh Baruch What else is going on? So, Rosh wants to come out with a very, very novel idea. He wants to say he didn't sell Kali Shmuel to Hakadosh by giving Hakadosh money for Hakadosh's own personal use. No. He said to Akashvesh, look, you take this money, go build soup kitchens, go build housing for the, for the poor, go and service the country. Here, I'm going to give you all the money. I want to show you that we're good people, we're not bad people. They think they give stock and we give better stock. I'm going to give stock equal to every member of Kali Shrol. Put it in the Ginze Hamela, put it away so it should be stock for Akashvesh Borkul. Akashvesh should see that what am I doing here? I'm doing wonderful things. We're not just murderers, we're not out just to annihilate the whole nation. We, we are wonderful people, we're caring people. We're people who, it's something like the, the uh, people who care for animals, and the animal uh, RSPCA, they're quite happy to look after the, the life of a dog, but kill as many people in the process. Uh, we're caring people. I give stock equivalent to every member of Kalisrol. Says HaKadosh Baruch how many are you making a mistake? Kalisrol gave Eskolim before you. Where did they give Eskolim to? They gave it to the Beis Mikdosh. What did it say when it comes to the Beis Mikdosh? Kol Nadiv why did they give? They gave because they had, they had a true and a diva slave. They didn't have any personal agenda. They didn't have any personal gain by giving to the Beis Hamikdash. They wanted to give themselves, from themselves, and from their money, from their values. They wanted to give that, from the valuables, they wanted to give that to Akash Baruch There was no personal gain at all. It was pure donation, pure heartfelt donation to Akash Baruch pure and a diva slave. So Akash Baruch you give your scholarly prior to the story of Haman. You give your, sh- your scholar before Haman gives his scholar, and then you'll realize, Haman will realize the fundamental difference. You're giving because you, you truly give. You have a, a penin, you have an inner, an inner desire to give. You have an inner, inner desire to connect that Kodesh no more. Haman's not trying to connect that Kodesh On the contrary, he's trying to use his giving as a means of disconnecting from Kodesh Baruch to break Kodesh Baruch to create fear of, to create, to create them, um, uh, to destroy him, to destruct. That's not real giving. You give your scholar before Haman's scholar. Yes, Haman's also going to give stocker, but your scholar are real stocker. Your stocker will counteract the so-called stocker of Haman. And with that, you'll be able to withstand the design of Haman. You'll, you'll, you'll be able to survive the onslaught of even, even of Amalek. That we should be able to understand that we need, whenever we do anything, it's got to be with the divle, it's got to be with a true inner desire to, to serve a Kodesh to come close to a Kodesh Baruch Well, that we'll be able to withstand all the onslaught of Western society, which is nothing more than a continuation of Haman. That's what we live in. We live in an environment which is a constant Haman, trying to, trying to back us, trying to disconnect us from Akadosh Baruch If we understand that the Pnim, the Nadeva's slave, is what, what's going to protect us, and we stay connected to, to the Rebbein we'll be able to withstand the Western culture and remain totally loyal, and the source of that will be Zechot. See the BSR go, we'll be here with you. Amen.